Blog Talk Radio. Welcome all truth seekers from across the globe. This is Reverend Karen L. Heasley from the Spiritual Path Church of Newcastle, Pennsylvania in the United States. Our truth seeker show covers a variety of subjects from angels to afterlife communication to parapsychology to spiritualism to near-death experiences, meditation, and a number of other truth seeking topics. We are happy you have chosen to join us for this episode and hope you find it informative and enjoyable. Now, I want you to get a piece of paper and a pencil and write this number down because we would love people to call in and chat with us tonight. Here's the number, 657-383-0416. And guess what? We even have a chat box tonight. So I'm going to give you the number again, 657-383-0416. Our guest tonight is Michelle L. Hamilton. Michelle earned her master's degree in history from San Diego State University in 2013. Hamilton is the author of I Would Still Be Drowned in Tears, Spiritualism in Abraham Lincoln's White House, and My Heart is in the Cause, The Civil War Diaries of Private James A. Myers, 45th PA, Volunteers, Manners During the Civil War, and Mary Ball Washington, the mother of George Washington. Her work has appeared in the magazine, The Citizen's Companion. In her free time, Hamilton is a Civil War and 18th century living historian. Born and raised in California, Hamilton now resides in Virginia and is the manager of the Mary Washington House in Fredericksburg, Virginia. You can follow her at her blog, http colon forward slash forward slash Michelle hyphen Hamilton dot blogspot dot com. And now we're going to talk to Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me. Where it's a pleasure, and I guess our guests want to know a little bit about you and how you, you know, came to do this wonderful work that you do, being quite a historian. Well, thank you. Yes, I was born and raised in California, and I always had a love of history, and in particular of the Civil War period and of Abraham Lincoln. And on the other hand, I also always had a love of ghost stories and things that go bump in the night. But I always wanted to know the truth behind it, the real history behind these stories. And in the early 2000s, I was going through Barnes and Nobles, and I found a wonderful book on the Fox sisters, and I read it, and I was really fascinated by the history of spiritualism and how it tied into the Lincoln family. That's um, that's really, that's really um. Uh, quite an endeavor because 
when you think about spiritualism, not too many people in this country really really know what spiritualism is. And I have to applaud you for, for, for doing this book and for opening up some people's eyes about certain things. So what I want you to do is maybe take us through a journey of, uh, with about um, Abraham and Mary uh, Lincoln. Could you start, you want to start when Abraham was a young man and, and how his beliefs um, started? Certainly, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he was born first, so that's natural to start the regression of who was born first. Born in 1809, in fact, we're just celebrating his birthday now. He would have been, in his 210th birthday was his last week. Born in Kentucky, um, very in the, in the backwoods, he's a country boy, harsh gravel life. Uh, very poor community, and so he is born into a culture that they're on the edges of the frontier. Uh, most of them are coming from Virginia. In fact, both of his parents were born in Virginia, but they also have a very strong belief in folk folk magic and folk belief. You have to understand life is tough on the frontier. Life expectancies are short. Uh, most um, of, you know, there are few physicians, um, and those who have uh, gotten, you know, medical training are very rudimentary, so they're going through apprentices. So you're not going to have a doctor who went to a university. And so if you got sick, there's really very little that could be done. And so to kind of supplement this, this lack of proper medical care, his community and those around him will be practicing folk magic to protect themselves, to protect their children, to protect their animals. So even as uh, one of Lincoln's first biographers, who was also his uh, law partner, he even writes in his biography of Lincoln that you know Lincoln was born into this very backwoods community, this community that believed in witches, um, that that were that were backwards in their in their behavior, uh, but so so Lincoln is kind of born into a metaphysical world, and I think a lot of historians really don't acknowledge uh, that that aspect of of his growing up period. Yeah, and you did mention there was a book that you mentioned, another book you mentioned that uh, somebody wrote about uh, the metaphysical uh, religions of the public of mind and, and spirit. Yeah, I thought that was rather interesting that you mentioned. Yes, and, and, that, and metaphysical is is basically it's it's a lot of it's structured in the Christian religion, but it's looking to forces outside. Um, mm -hmm. It's being able to have a more direct uh, relationship with with God, but also with the the universe in general. So it's almost at the beginning of New Age, the New Age belief, and it's been around a lot for a longer period of time than most people think. The New Age movement didn't come out of the 1960s. It's been around since the Enlightenment. It's been around even lo longer uh, with with folk beliefs, with uh, almost, and some of these folk beliefs go back to paganism, and it all comes from England. It comes from, from the British Isles, England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and most of the early settlers of the United States and Lincoln's own family tree are coming from the British Isles. That's interesting. So, so Lincoln... Not only did he he had that growing up, but also he came from a his mother or father his father a very uh, Christian family as well, and he had trouble with that. Correct. 
Correct. And he also, his family, they were Baptists, but they were non-conforming Baptists. When okay. they were in Kentucky, they did leave a, a, their congregation because that congregation supported slavery. So his parents left that congregation, and, his, and their neighbors formed another branch, uh, a rival Baptist church. So you see from a very young age, Lincoln is being exposed to nonconformist feelings, um, anti-slavery feelings. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that he always viewed African Americans as his equal, but they're viewing that this, this practice of slavery is distasteful. So he comes from a very long line of unconventional thinking and not being afraid to be unconventional. And he was very superstitious, correct? Yes, and he, and, he, and again, he has. It comes from that that British Isles, um, uh, that English uh, heritage in him. He was a fatalist. Uh, he believed that uh, certain things are set in stone, um, including health, wealth, lifespan, and that there was nothing that you could do against this. So why fight? Why fight fate? Um, that he always kind of believed that. My time has been set. My my date of death has been set. Why fight the inevitable? Just just go with the flow. And but also he's also a strong believer in dreams. Um, he believes that dreams can be a portal to the future. Uh, that he, that person should be aware of their dreams and pay attention to their dreams. Okay, and you did mention in the book that he had that 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 reoccurring dream, correct? He did. He will have a reoccurring dream. He has a couple of recurring dreams that uh, that we we know that we know about. Uh, in 1860, when he is elected president, so we jump forward a few years. He is elected mm-hmm. president. On the night of his election, uh, he returns back to his his house in Springfield, Illinois. He goes up to his bedroom, and while laying on his couch uh, in, in the bedchamber, he will notice that there is a dual image of his face in the mirror. And that the the faces are facing each other, so that the t- the nose tips are tip to tip, which is not something that you would normally see in a, in a mirror, even for a period mirror. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he noticed that one face was a healthy, vibrant face, and the other face was a face that you would maybe perhaps see on a corpse. So it pre- appeared to be death death-like it had a chalky appearance to it and he said that he tried to to um that was only there for a couple moments and then it disappeared that he tried to um reenact this this um a double vision he couldn't do it and he told mary and mary his wife believed that that was a sign that uh he would serve his full term be elected in four years in 1864, but that something would happen that he would not be able to, to live out his full term. So he would not survive the full eight years in the White House, uh, mm-hmm. which sadly proved to be accurate. Yeah. And this was something that he told people, he told a friend of his, Noah Brooks, during the 1864 election. And Noah Brooks will publish it in a newspaper, a magazine, in July of 1865, so months after Lincoln's death. And it's fascinating that Noah Brooks is recording this story, but then he goes, oh, but Lincoln didn't believe it. It's like, well, it, but, but, but it was a story that, that uh, Lincoln told. He talked about it frequently during the 64 election, but, oh, he, mm-hmm. he, he didn't believe in it. He didn't believe it. He just thought it was, uh, you know, something uncanny and, and unique, and, but he, he didn't take any, any meaning in it, which is inaccurate. Lincoln would have taken meaning 
yeah. in it. And then there are those who were close to him near the end of, end of his life who assert that Lincoln also had the dream in which he saw himself aside, saw the president dead mm-hmm. in the White House. And I know some historians um, will dispute that story, but it does come from two different people that, that Lincoln is talking about this story. Oh, oh yeah, because <clears throat> that's what they said. He was really, uh, he, he, he believed in the dreams. And so then, correct me if I'm wrong, but then he, he he went with his cousin to New Orleans, correct? He correct. Went he went to New Orleans twice. He went to New Orleans okay, twice. Yeah, and his went cousin went with him on the that. second. Ver- yes, so his cousin goes with him on the second voyage. Okay. So Lincoln grows up. Um, he uh, he will leave Kentucky around the age of nine. His family will go to Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. While in Indiana, his mother will pass away. Again, a very dramatic time in Lincoln's life. And um, so he, so his family grows up. By the age of 21, he is moving to, to Illinois. And at the age of 21, he's also finally able to get away from, from his father because he's now, now legally an adult. And so in this period of time between 18 to, tw- 18 to 21, Lincoln takes two trips to New Orleans where he's taking a flat boat, um, which is a Basically, it is described as a very flat, very shallow boat that is being loaded with goods and supplies, is being taken down the Mississippi River, and the products will be sold at market at New Orleans. So Lincoln does this twice. And on the second uh, occasion, he will go with his cousin. And according to the cousin and his um, memoirs of of his, his cousin Lincoln, he will say that while in New Orleans, he got his fortune told, which is something today that people still do when they go to New Orleans. They'll go find a voodoo priestess and they'll have their fortune told. Mm-hmm. And according to, to the account, the voodoo priestess um, informs Lincoln that she has never seen um, such a wonderful hand uh, that the, that the his by reading his palm, she will know okay. that Lincoln will be the one that will end slavery. Um, somehow he will take his hand and he will end it. And she says that she only wished wished that she would live long enough to see this day come. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. All right, so he's done that. So we're trying to you know just have a general picture about him because a lot of people don't even know these things. I didn't know that about him until I read the book about the. Uh, metaphysical things that that occurred in his life. Until I read your book, I didn't and, know that. I knew and these are things that Pardon? And these are things that general historians don't like or discount, um, which is very interesting. They'll 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 say, Oh well the cousin is an unreliable narrator. So we're going to we're going to completely throw out everything he says. And, but it's fine. It's fine. They'll, they'll throw out everything he says unless the story has something. Unless unless the account has something negative mm-hmm. to say about Mary, then they'll mm-hmm. accept it. But everything else is like, oh, that can't possibly be true because it's just different. It's weird. It's it's uncomfortable. So there's no way that Lincoln could have had um, uh, uh, a, a interaction with uh, a, a African American voodoo priestess. You know, so we're we're gonna we're gonna th- throw this out. When New Orleans, when he is down in New Orleans. It has a very vibrant voodoo culture. It mm-hmm. still has a vibrant voodoo culture, and this is something that he would have encountered very easily. The voodoo was was part and parcel of, of New Orleans life, and that's what like oh, that. Yes. 
um, in the 19th century, a lot of people would go to New Orleans just to see the voodoo rituals because it was so foreign and exotic. And that would have so there's almost no. There's still, yes, so there's almost no way for Lincoln to go to New Orleans in the 1830s and 40s and not, um, or even, excuse me, 20s and 30s, and mm-hmm. not encountering voodoo culture. Well, didn't his cousin retract that statement then? He said, I'm not sure if he really went to a fortune teller then. Didn't you take he, that somewhere? He will, he will retract it when it becomes controversial. Okay. That, that's when he retracts it. Is that Because when? the cousin, okay. unfortunately, uh, because the cousin, like a lot of people in Lincoln's life, they will sell their story for money. And when the story isn't what the public wants to hear, they'll retract it because they want they want money. So, so and and the cousin is one of those characters where he starts retracting things back because he's getting a negative backlash. Okay, I just because I thought I read that. Yes, so. All right, so what I find very interesting that his wife, Mary, she was also into metaphysical things as well, correct? That's what correct. She was, was in the book. So she, so she is born in 1818, uh, December of 1818, so this last December. She just had her, two, she had the 200th anniversary of her birth. And she is raised in Lexington, Kentucky. And even so, both Abraham and Mary are born in Kentucky, but their childhoods couldn't be as different as night and day. So Mary is born to the Todd family. The Todd family are wealthy, they're prominent, mm-hmm. they're educated. So she is born into a Southern Belle um, uh, childhood where every every material comfort will be provided for her. But also, like Lincoln, she will suffer the death of a mother very young. And she will be primarily raised by the Todd family's African-American slaves, in particular one that they called Mammy Sally. So Mammy Sally will be the one primarily in charge of raising the Todd children. And so to try to keep the kids in line, because this is a very rambunctious family, and Mary was quite the prankster, quite rambunctious as a child. She was actually a little bit of a tomboy. Uh, the Mammy Sally will keep the children in line by telling them folk tales, by telling them things like that, that uh, jaybirds are, are the messengers of the devil. And so every Friday, jaybirds go to hell and will report in the misdeeds of, of the Todd children. And so she'll go out there and she'll taunt, she'll taunt the, uh, the, chil- the jaybirds of, you know, so you're, you're, you're a telltale. You know, you're going to take your story stra- uh, straight to hell. And so she's also, she's growing up in that. And also very popular in um, Southern culture in this time period is for the African-American slaves, primarily the women, to tell fortunes, to tell fortunes and have, have, um, uh, the young women having their, their fortunes read because it was so important for them to make the right match in marriage because that the Southern women, they're not expected to get jobs. They're not expected. They're expected to be wives and mothers. And in an era when divorce is nearly impossible and it is socially stigmatizing, making sure you marry the right person is very important. And so these these African American slave women would tell fortunes and help the women pick pick their next spouses. And she was pretty close to uh, to this uh, <clears throat> mammy, right, Sally? She was very she close was very close. 
Mary Sally was her surrogate mother. Her father right. will remarry. Um, the woman is not very loving. Um, she is pregnant pretty frequently throughout the marriage, so she's caring for her own children, and she really doesn't have any interest in the fact that she's got stepchildren. In fact, she tells the stepchildren, uh, Mary and her sisters, that it takes three generations to make a lady, um, and they are not, and they are only on the second generation. So they're not even real ladies. Um, and so that they are actually socially beneath beneath their own stepmother. So she doesn't make it a very well, well welcoming, very loving um, household. And so as soon as Mary is old enough to be able to leave, she has a couple of sisters who are already married, and one of them is living in Springfield, Illinois. So Mary will go to live with her older sister to get away from the stepmother, and that's when she will go to Springfield, Illinois, and that's when she meets a young lawyer named Abraham Lincoln. And her sister really didn't care for him too much. She thought she could do better, correct? The one sister. Yes, she yes. Uh, she was. Um, uh, she was. She was quite quite the snob. Uh, the 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 Todd family was mm -hmm. known for for being uh, a, a very very snobbish, very very um, clicky. Uh, Lincoln is said to have joked that when God spelled his name, he only spelled it with one D. But when the Todd spelled their name, they they spelled it with two Ds. So then she she set her sights on this uh, young lawyer, right, Mary, right, on Abraham, and then they got together obviously and got married, correct? Correct. Yes, it was a little rocky courtship. Um, Mary's sister did do everything she could to break them up. Uh, they did have one uh, one year where they were the world broke up, uh, but then Lincoln Lincoln and Mary's friends got involved and said, "No, these two belong together." And so the friends kind of went behind uh, Mary's sister's back and got the two of them and uh, two of them uh, reconnected and they uh, got engaged. And the day they got married, but uh, Mary basically came down to her sister and says, "We're getting married this evening, so we're, we're, we're this, is, this, is, this is what's going to happen." Um, so you know, Mary was very strong-willed. She got what she wanted. Okay, so then um, <clears throat> they got married, and he was uh, an up-and-coming. Uh, uh, in politics, correct? And she helped him. Yes, they were very ambitious. Uh, they both shared a love of politics. At the time, they were Lincoln was a member of the Whig Party. And in fact, when they were dating, instead of bringing Mary flowers, he would bring her political pamphlets and and uh, election results, and that was something that they shared. So they they had a shared ambition in in politics. Okay. So, all right. So. Um, then they got married, and then they went in the White House. And uh, they had this lavish thing going on, correct? Now, they lost one son, though, their, their first son they lost. He was pretty young. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, um, they will uh, start a family fairly quickly. Within the first year of their marriage, Mary will give birth to her first son, Robert Todd. And Robert will be the only son of the Lincolns to make it to adulthood. And then a few years later, they'll have their second son. His name was Edward, and they called him Eddie. And Eddie um, contracted tuberculosis and will die at the age of three. And that yeah, was yeah. pretty devastating uh, for for the, the Lincoln family, uh, for, for, for Mary uh, um, and Abraham. Both of them were very devastated. 
on that. Um, Mary took that very, very hard, um, and she'll go into a very deep depression, and what will pull her out of depression is that she will get pregnant again, and she will have their third son, which is William, and they called him Willie. And then a couple of years later, they'll have their last son, which is Thomas, but they called him Tad, short for Tadpole, because when he was born, he had a big head and a kind of a small body, and so when he's late, when, when as a newborn, he looked like a tadpole, and so uh, so Lincoln called, dubbed him Tad. Okay. Um, so and, they'll lose uh, so one. Go ahead. What? What was that? So they'll lose one child before they move to the White House. Okay. Before they, how many did they have before they moved to the wild? All of them, or they'll the, have all four. They'll have all four children um, in, in oh. Springfield. Okay, that's what I wasn't sure. That's what I was trying to get that. Okay. So then, all four children went into the White House. Then. Well, the, the three. They'll have all four children in, in Springfield, but uh, uh, Edward will die at the age of three, and he's the second yeah. child. So when they move to the White House, they'll have the three children. They'll have okay. Robert. Robert is is being sent off to college, so he will never officially live permanently at the White House. So when they move to the White House, they'll have um, Willie, Willie and Tad. And then Edward was named after his good friend, Edward Baker, correct? Uh, yes, correct. He was. Yes. So now they're in the White House. And um, you let's, let's start getting this into the uh, spiritualism aspect. So um, do you want to um, talk to the audience about how you feel that on the on their path, how it it started to come into their lives, please? Well, we'll come in, the spirituals movement will start in 1848. So even before the White House, the Lincolns would have been aware of it. Spiritualist uh, mediums did come to uh, Springfield to put on demonstrations um, and lectures. Uh, I don't have any evidence that the Lincolns ever attended, but they definitely would have been aware of it. Um, they had people in their social circle who were spiritualists, but they really didn't have that much of an interest in it yet. They're too focused on politics. What will get them interested in the spiritualist movement is in February 1862, uh, both boys will contract typhoid fever. Uh, typhoid mm-hmm. is, is contracted from being exposed to dirty water. Um, right. There is a swamp that's right behind the White House. So somehow they, got, they drank contaminated water. And while uh, Tad will pull through, Willie will not. So Willie will die at the age of 12. Okay. And that and you- devastated the Lincolns. I'm going to go back one more time to Springfield. I think that um, when I was reading your book, I think Emma Harding Britton uh, actually did uh, some talks at Springfield, correct? She was there? She did, yeah. Emma Harding yeah. Britton did, did come through. Right. Um, so there are going to be lectures and demonstrations, pro and con spiritualists. So they, the Lincolns definitely will be exposed to it. They they know what spiritualism spiritualism is everyone in the 19th century knew what spiritualism was in by the 1850s okay but she was a pretty big name there emma she was uh she went all over the world uh promoting spiritualism yes she, she was the rock star of, of spiritualism in the 1850s and 60s yes um so um okay so we're going i'm sorry i didn't mean to be jumping around i just wanted to put that in here that that 
you know, that Emma was actually in their, you know, hometown and it was uh, promoting spiritualism. And I'm sure there were other ones there. I, I know there probably would be, would have been if she was there. So. Yeah, because okay. um, Springfield, Illinois, was is is the capital of of Illinois. It's also on the railroad, so you're going to get a lot of people passing through the town just because yeah. of the fact that it's on the railroad. Yes. Okay. So we have so now they they're in the White House, and like you said, I did read that in the the one boy. And isn't this a shame? They were actually um uh entertaining, right? He was sick up in a bedroom, and they actually was. They were doing like a grand ball or something, right, in the White House. The well, yeah, the, the, the night that, that Willie really takes the downward turn. Before that, he yeah. had been sick for a couple of days, about mm-hmm. a week. It actually looked like the two of them or the two boys were starting to improve. That night, he will take a downward spiral. And Mary had just um, spent uh, today probably in the be in the millions of dollars of renovating the White House. When she moved to the White House, it was shabby, it was falling apart. In fact, it was referred to as a second-rate hotel. That's what that's what the White House looked like. In fact, uh, they had even they had they had lost the keys, the front doors, the keys to the front door of the White House for about 20, 30 years by that time and period, and no uh, uh, presidential administration had had uh, replaced it. Because at this time period, the last president to win re-election was Andrew Jackson in the 1820s. So you get an idea of how rotating uh, the the presidency at this time was seen as a four-year job. So no one had really set any money aside to take care of the White House. So Mary comes in, says this place is absolutely filthy. so she will go about and get a appropriations from Congress to redo the White House and new china, new cut glass, um, um, carpets, damask um, curtains. And so the night that Willie takes a downward spiral is they're having this this grand opening party uh, for for the uh, for the White House. And so most of the night, Abraham and Mary are slipping away from their guests and coming up and checking on the boys and watching uh, Willie's health start to take a downward spiral. And as as the, the weeks go on, he does not recover and he will pass away. Now, who who is taking care of him? Um... The woman that was taking he's care being, of her, he's um well he's being nursed in part by a woman named Elizabeth Cackley and Elizabeth Cackley yeah. is Mary uh, is Mary uh, Mary Lincoln excuse me her seamstress uh, Elizabeth Cackley is a freed slave uh, she was born in Missouri um, actually uh, no excuse me she's born here in Virginia and she will move to Missouri uh, she will uh, uh, by her freedom and the freedom of her son through her skill as a seamstress. Uh, she'll live in St. Louis for many years, um, will marry, the marriage will, the marriage will uh, disintegrate, and she comes to Washington, D.C. in the late 1850s and becomes the seamstress uh, for the society elite. Uh, so she will sew for Mrs. Robert E. Lee. She will sew gowns for Mrs. Jefferson Davis. Uh, she will sew... Um, and then she will become the the primary seamstress to Mary and become Mary's confidant. Okay, yeah. And before I forget, I'm going to jump a minute. Um, there was an episode in your book about um, uh, Grant's wife. Was she into spiritualism as well? Not so much into spiritualism, but she's Grant? part of the Southern culture in which she is into metaphysical New Age beliefs. 
Julia Grant is born in Missouri about within about a decade or so of Mary um, has a very similar childhood is the pampered Southern belle. And Julia is unique. Uh, Julia Grant, Grant is that she believes in fairies. She believes in the belief in fairies, um, and okay. believe in uh, and believes in fairies all her life. Um, so okay. she's also a unique product of this this southern culture, um, and being able to be a Christian but still also um, uh, adopt un- uh, what we would consider unique beliefs. Okay, and then um, the the other first lady brought the Fox sisters to the White House, correct? That was yes, Pierce, yes, um, Jane yeah. Pierce. Jane Pierce has it yeah. even yeah. as equal tragic life as as Mary Todd Lincoln. Uh, she, uh, Mrs. Pierce will see her children uh, pass away in, in in infancy. She has one last son named Benjamin Benny, and as the she is traveling with her husband to. Washington, D.C., and this is the time period when uh, presidents were sworn in in March because they had to travel, and travel was so dangerous in the wintertime. And while traveling to Washington, D.C., there is a horrible train accident in which Be- uh, Benny is decapitated in front of his parents. Um, a-, a trunk will come down on top of him. Um, so a very gruesome, a very tragic accident. And Jane Pierce will become a shell of herself. She'll go basically become a recluse. Uh, she blames that it is uh, her her husband's fault uh, for becoming president, that God has, has taken away their last child. And so she she will be um, will become cold the shadow in the White House because she will stay basically up on the second story, second floor of the White House, and will talk to Benny. She will write letters um, to Benny and then burn them in the fireplace. And one of the uh, people brought in to help uh, her and to re- try to reach her children are the Fox sisters. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm sorry we jumped around. I just wanted to bring that out, that the Fox sisters were actually at the White House. Mm-hmm. And so also the so Mary Lincoln is not again like some historians like to assert the Lincolns are not the first residents of the White House to be spiritualists and they're not the last residents of the White House to be spiritualists either. They're not okay, okay. So they're not the first and they're not the last. All right. No, according to rumors, spiritualism and, and seances at the White House continue into the late 20th century. Uh, okay. ever, 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 certain, ever certain gossips are to be believed. Okay. Well, I'm glad you cleared that point up for the audience. All right. So, we got that little bit of that established. <clears throat> I'm sorry I jumped. I was just thinking about that in my head. Now, and I thought, I'm going to bring this up because I'll forget. So, so our, right. our audience knows no, no. that actually the Fox sisters were actually at the White House as well. Um, so, okay. So and then the Fox really sisters hated being, sorry, the Fox well, sisters hated being in Washington D.C. Right? They yeah. say they found they found uh, people to be very rude, very rude and very demeaning uh, to them, and that the uh, the men were not gentlemen when they came came to to their to the seances. In fact, in fact, they would basically have to have a bouncer uh, to 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 kick kick some of the gentlemen out. That's interesting. I did read that. Yeah, <clears throat> they were pretty rude. And... Oh, yeah. So. Now we'll move, we'll jump back. And so um, the seamstress, did she have anything to do with metaphysical or spiritualism at all? The one that was taking care of Willie or sitting with Willie? Do you know? Elizabeth, Elizabeth not yeah. really. In fact, as interesting okay. historians like 
like to blame and say, oh, it was Elizabeth Keckley that introduced Mary to spiritualism. Actually, there's no evidence to, to say mm-hmm. that. I put the air quotes blame, if you want to put it that way. I, I, I kind of signal in on Mary Jane Wells, who was the wife of the Secretary of the Navy, Gideon Wells. Okay. And the Wells were interested in spiritualism. They had also had lost numerous children uh, like the Lincolns. And Mary Jane Wells was one of the few cabinet members' wives who got along with Mary Lincoln. And so she was also there to help care for uh, Willie and Tad during their illness, and then also mm-hmm. care for Mary, because she basically had mental and physical collapse after Willie's death. And so she is staying at the White House for a couple of weeks to care for the children, but also care for, for Mary. For Mary, yes. So, okay. Yeah, because um, the president told her that she had to get up out of bed or he was going to put her somewhere, correct? Yeah, he, 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 he basically, he says, according to Elizabeth Kelly, with the greatest tenderness, he pulled her from her bed and took her to mm-hmm. the window, and he appointed to the mental, the mental hospital in Washington, D.C., and he says, Mother, you will have to take care of yourself. If not, we shall be forced to send you there. And that right. kind of snapped her out of, out of her funk, out of her, her deep depression. And with the help of Lincoln, with Keckley, and with Mary Jane Wells, they, they got her up out of bed, got her starting to function again. Okay, so so a lot of times, and you know this uh, to be true, that um, a lot of one reason why people do turn to spiritualism is because they lose somebody. That's that's a that's one major reason sometimes why people do um, start to turn to spiritualism. So would you say after that happened, uh, Mary was more inclined to turn to spiritualism then? Without a doubt. In fact, we see after after February of eighteen sixty two, so by the mid by the summer of sixty two and definitely by December of sixty two, we see Mary attending uh spiritualist um uh seances and gatherings um f- first away from the White House and then she will bring bring the spiritualist mediums into the White House. But without a doubt we see this happening after Willie's death. Okay. So um what what was the first seance she attended? Was it the one in Georgetown? That was uh, the, the the very she starts attending them and they're not being very well recorded. The ones that we know okay. the best is the December eighteen sixty two seance where she meets uh, Nettie Colburn later to become okay. Nettie Colburn Maynard, and that right, is the right. one is right right after. So Lincoln so set the stage. Um, uh, uh, September of 1862, uh, following the Battle of Antietam, uh, which was basically a tactical draw, but it was enough of a win for the Union to claim it. Uh, Abraham Lincoln announces that he will be issuing on December, um, excuse me, January 1st, 1863, he will be issuing the Emancipation Proclamation, which will free the slaves um, in the South in areas of rebellion. So this is a pretty dramatic step. Uh, the beginning of the war, he says, I can't touch slavery words. That I hate it, I deplore it, but under the Constitution, I can't do anything about it. Now, in the middle of 62, he says, yes, I can do something about it, and I'm going to hit it, hit it where in, in the South and in, in, in the Confederacy. Um, so it is extremely controversial, um, and he is getting a lot of flack that he 
um, should not sign the Emancipation Proclamation on, on January 1st, that he should, should, should retract it. And in December of 1862, uh, Nettie Colburn Maynard has arrived in D.C. She comes to visit her brother, who is sick, and while being in, in the Georgetown area, which is part of, uh, part of the D.C. Um, suburbs, uh, she is h- hanging out with spiritualists, and while uh, there, she is at a seance in which um, Mary is, is attending, and Nettie Colburn Maynard will go into a trance. She was a trance medium. She said that she never remembered anything she said during her trances. And so apparently during this seance, she will tell, tell Mary that the president must sign this, this, this decree. He must sign the, the Emancipation Proclamation, that this will be the thing that he will be remembered most for, and that, that this is something that he absolutely has to sign. Mary is impressed by it. She says, the president must hear what you say. You cannot leave Washington, D.C. until my husband has heard from you. And so in a couple of nights later, Nettie Colburn Maynard is um, summoned to the White House to perform a seance for Abraham Lincoln. And obviously at that seance, that topic came up again, correct? Yes, she will. Apparently, she says that that from those who saw her, that she will be her most impassioned and most eloquent to date at this at this um, uh, uh, seance. She will go into a trance and she will tell Lincoln again, "You must sign this. This is the most important document. This will be what you will be remembered in history for. Um, that that the, the spirits, the angels are on your side, and don't don't listen to the to the naysayers." go and sign it and um when uh, she comes out of the trance she says lincoln is looking at her with this very strange look on his face and he says um you don't know how much pressure i have been been uh been receiving not to do this thank you so much for what you said i will take this to heart okay <clears throat> and he probably did and then there was the uh, other thing um, with another medium, right? Um, yes, there is another medium, medium family, the, the Lori family. The Lori family, yes, they were mediums, right? They were pretty well known yes. in the Washington D.C. They were Georgetown. They area. were. Um, yeah, uh, Mr. Lori was the Postmaster General of D.C. His family had dated back to DC, um, Washington, D.C. society since the city was founded. So they were very high-ranking, old guard, established uh, uh, Washingtonian family. They lived in Georgetown, the Georgetown neighborhood. In fact, their townhouse, Brownstone, is, is still there. Um, and they developed a passion for spiritualism and were, were celebrating mediums themselves. And they had a daughter uh, who was known for being a very skilled pianist. And so she would play the piano, and apparently while, her, while she played, the, the piano would levitate. And so this is what she was known for. So Lincoln is also attending seances put on by the Lori family, uh, many times with Nettie being there. Uh, Nettie was very good friends with the Lori family. And so the daughter is is playing uh, for Abraham Lincoln. He loved um, uh, uh, folk songs from Scotland. Uh, they're very popular in this time period, and Lincoln, Lincoln loved, loved Scotch airs, as they called them. And so she's playing for for Lincoln, and the and the piano starts to levitate, 
And Lincoln always had a very curious mind, very scientific mind. He always wanted to know how things worked. In fact, he used to irritate his children. He would go and take apart their toys because he wanted to see how the toys worked. And so uh, he is seeing this piano levitate, and he wants to see, hey, is there any trickery involved? So he decides, hey, I'll sit on top of this piano, and let's see if it levitates. And sure enough, he climbs up on the piano, the, um, the daughter is playing, and the piano begins to levitate a couple of inches off the ground. So he's kind of floating and bouncing on this, on this piano. And when the song is done, the piano rests back down on the ground, and he slides off. Of course, everybody in the in the audience in the, are, is having a good laugh at this, and and someone says, you know, well, Mr. President, they're going to doubt doubt what you've seen. And Lincoln says, well, if they doubt it, they should come and put their foot under the piano and and see what happens. Yeah. Oh my, that's something. And then. Um... I guess I want to talk about one one other seance that was done with the medium. His first name was Charles. Um, yes, Lord Lord Charles Colchester. He claimed he was an English lord. He was neither. He was he is a one of the classic nineteenth um, uh, century charlatans. Uh, okay. In fact, he'll be ousted. He'll be ousted within the spirituals community. And after the war, he will actually be put on trial in New York and will be found guilty and will have to pay a license as an entertainer. Um, but he will start his career. He comes to comes to to uh, Washington D.C. and he um, is able to worm his way into getting to meet Mary. Um, they'll perform. He'll perform a séance at the Soldiers' Home, which is the uh, the Lincoln's summer residence, is right outside of D.C. at the time. It was more cooler air, fresher air, away from the stagnant um, weather of of Washington D.C. And he will perform séances for Mary and Noah Brooks, the uh, reporter that I mentioned earlier who um, uh, was told the story about the double reflection in the mirror, he will be invited because Mary is trying to convert all of her friends. She is, um, and so she will bring Noah Bricks along. And Noah Bricks, is, he's a skeptical reporter. He's kind of smelling a rat here. And he will actually go and do an undercover um, um, investigation will actually expose Colchester as a fraud. And in the process of exposing Colchester as a fraud, Colchester tries to blackmail Mary Lincoln. So mm-hmm. Colchester is called to the White House, in which he has this meeting with Noah Brooks. And Noah Brooks basically says, you know, um, you, you know, go to the, you know, you've been exposed and you need to go to the train station today, get on the next train, get out of town. If you're still here tomorrow, the president will throw you in the old Capitol prison. Okay. So there were some that wanted to take advantage as well. Yes. And now that is, that is, um, uh, the one person who, who during the war years will try to take care of taking advantage of Mary Lincoln, sadly, after Lincoln's death and during the decline of the spirituals movement in the 1870s, um, Mary will, be, will will come into contact with more fraught, more charlatans and will take advantage of Mary in a very devastating way. And part of that will actually help get her um, put into an insane asylum, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then they, there was one other seance I saw about that uh, I, it uh, didn't was uh, it would have an, uh, national attention with Charles S C S H O C K L E. Yeah, he will. 
Yes. Yes. The one time that the the Lincolns will um, invite an outsider reporter to the uh, to a seance, and it will end up in the Boston newspapers. And that is when they are seeing the ship in the mirror and a lot of other physical feats are going on and it will be reported in the media. And after that, the Lincolns kind of realize that they made a blunder. At least Abraham realized he made a blunder. And after that, newspaper reporters, except for Noah Brooks, will be barred from from, um, uh, attending seances with the Lincolns. And after that, Lincoln will be very careful to guard his public image because, um, uh, again, he's coming up to a, a very heated election in 1864. Uh, mm-hmm. So Lincoln will be very mm-hmm. careful to guard his public image um, and to try to – he'll still attend seances, but he will uh, publicly distance himself from it. That was probably the last one that was uh, publicly known about them, would you say? That was that the last one publicly known about? one, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, That's the one yeah, I he'll, he'll go. He'll go on. He'll go underground out after that. Well, I could see, yeah, a lot of ridicule because there were some spiritualists that called themselves spiritualists, but yet they were like we talked about that Fayette Hall. Can you talk a little bit about him, please? I uh, yes. Um, let's see, um, uh, he he was another one that the Lincolns were were involved with, um, and and a lot of the spiritualists, some of the mediums like Nettie Colburn, Maynard, the Lorries will uh, not publicize their their uh, connections with the, with the Lincolns. There's going to be other ones who will be 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 um, publicizing. We'll will try to use the Lincolns as as their meal ticket, and so. Hall was one of them, and so after the by sixty three sixty four at least Abraham is being very careful of of who he is publicly associating with another thing maybe our audience should know about when Abraham used to have talks with with some of the soldiers or somebody and he would talk about how he felt his son around him. Do you understand what I mean? He could feel or sense. Yes, he he would. Um, he he will tell he will tell one of the um, military aides. Um, he will he will uh, quote a a scene from Shakespeare. Um, where there is a famous um, and I forget which place from. It's one of the histories where Constance is lamenting the loss of mm-hmm. of her children, and the and the cardinal will will tell her, "You will see your children again." And so uh, he will, Lincoln will quote that, and he says, "Have you ever lost somebody in your life that you feel that is with you?" He says, "I feel that about my dear son Willie. There's times in which I feel feel his presence in, in, in this very office, and, and 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 I feel like he will he comes and still visits me um, uh, when I'm in my office when I'm having a tough time." when I have to make a hard decision. And Mary will also tell her sister, her half-sister Emily, um, she will tell Emily that in, in when, when she's laying in bed, there will be nights where she will see um, see Willie, and Willie will bring um, Eddie, the, the, the baby, is the three-year-old baby, uh, and there's other times he will come with another uh, uh, sibling that had died in the war, and that she will see them in, um, in the bedroom, and that will bring her so much um, Comfort. In fact, that's where the title of the book comes from. And she tells Emily, "Without, without spiritualism, without seeing, seeing my boys, I would still be drowned in tears." Yes. That, and there was one other thing you put in the book about the boys were somewhere, and somebody talked about a comet. Yes. Um. In 1861, a comet was um. Uh, viewed in North America, uh, and in in the Victorian age time period. 
they're still viewing commas are still being viewed by some as a harbinger of doom and gloom and war. And so right before the Civil War starts in, in January, February, March um, of 1861, this comet is seen shooting across the north, and it is seen in Washington, D.C., and uh, the Lincoln children had a – there was a family next door to the White House called the Taffs, and they had um, boys the same age as as um, as Willie and Tad. And so Willie and Tad would hang out and be friends with these, these um, little boys, and they had an older sister who was in her mid-teens, and she would have to be their babysitter. And there was an African-American um, slave, um, another mammy-like figure, her name was Ula, and Ula had been born in Africa, so she is very old at this time period, and is seen as a wise woman that she has this acquired knowledge of 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 uh, kind of supernatural uh, things that she learned in Africa. And she tells the children in the neighborhood that the comet that they're seeing that that is a war comet. And that Lincoln will take that war, he'll take it by the handle, and he will take it like a sword, and he will wield that sword against the South, and he will win. But unfortunately, he will also die, um, that, that, that uh, this, this war will end in his death. And the boys actually went back and told their father that. They told, they, they, they told Dad a sanitized version of it. Uh, I um, thought so. Uh, they were they uh, the 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 tap children told them a sanitized version. They omitted out the part about the, the death, uh, but they okay. said that that's a war, war comment. And when Lincoln is standing in the parlor and the boys are talking to um to their dad about that, and they say, well, you know, Pa, is is that true? Is 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 this a war comment? And Lincoln is says, say, I hope not. I hope I won't have to have to take it as I I hope I won't have to take that sword. Okay. I just wanted to bring that. I thought that was a, a nice uh, story that you brought up. <clears throat> so, so now there have been many, many stories about that Lincoln still walks the halls of the White House. Yes, um, there there are lots of stories about that that Lincoln has seen in 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 the White House uh, by um, by. Um, Future presidents for or past presidents, uh, the, the, uh, and he is usually seen during times of war, during times of upheaval. Um, I know uh, Theodore Roosevelt said that he saw um, Abraham Lincoln, or Lincoln's spirit was sensed there. And I know particularly during the Second World War is a period where there's a lot of stories about Abraham Lincoln being seen and interacting with with uh, uh, people in the White House. Was it in just one area that they saw him, or was it in many areas? You know? He's going to be seen primarily in um, the area of that was uh, his office at the time. His his office was not the Oval Office. The Oval Office is not built until the early 1900s. So Lincoln will be seen uh, primarily up on the second floor. Um, mm-hmm. His office is now a bedroom, and so he, he is seen primarily um, in in that area. In fact, the Lincoln bedroom was not Abraham or Mary Lincoln's bedroom. That was actually the room that was Taddy and Willie's. And in fact, the bed that's in the Lincoln bedroom, that's the, that's the bed that Willie died in. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So the I, same I, Lincoln I know, bedroom, that, that was, that was not their bedroom. Um, it was the boys' room and the bed there is the one that, that Willie passed in. Okay. 
Um, and okay. and people have since have said that that room is haunted. Um, there were some of the um, uh, past past um, presidents and guests and children who have have said that they've sensed the little boy um, little boy in the in in the room, and so they say that's Willie. When Willie did pass, uh, Mary wouldn't go into his room, or, or they wouldn't go. She wouldn't go into the room where they showed where they laid him out at. Correct. She will. Right? She will pretty much. She'll. She will not go back into that bedroom. So they will move Tad out of that bedroom. And they'll pretty much close off what we now know as the Lincoln bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they, she will also not go into the green room. And the green room is where they laid him out for his funeral. Um, so she will close off uh, the uh, the bedroom in which he, basically she'll close off what we now know as the Lincoln bedroom. And she'll also close off the green room. Okay. So, you did all this research, you did this book about Mary and, and uh, Abraham Lincoln. So, in your educated opinion, how do you think, do you think Lincoln was a spiritualist or he was not a spiritualist? I want to say yes, but he will never admit to it. So, I wanna, my, my guess would be, yes, he was a spiritualist, but you could never pin him down on that answer. Okay. Um, uh, in fact, uh, Nettie Colburn Maynard wrote um, uh, wrote a book, and her and her book called, was called "Was Abraham Lincoln a Spiritualist?" And the question, and it, and it was a question mark. And her, and she goes, "Was he a spiritualist?" And she actually goes, "I don't know. I never asked him. I never asked my clients what their belief was." But she mm-hmm. says, "But for a person who supposedly was not a spiritualist, he has spent a lot of time with spiritualists and went to a lot of went to a lot of uh, seances." So. We're going to have to lean with the evidence of being probably yes. And I think he liked the religion because um, it let women let women have some type of power. Like, don't you think it helped with? Um, yes, he did. He he he, 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 enj- he enjoyed women having a mind, having intelligence behind them. Um, he enjoyed um, talking to Mary about politics. He enjoyed. Um, Educated women. He enjoyed being around educated women. Um, so I think he he, he appreciated um, the 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 smart, these intelligent women um, that were a little nonconformist like him. Yeah. So. <clears throat> okay. So now you have a new book out. So I I yes, don't want to get do. into much because I want to bring you back and talk about that at a later date. But I do want you to Very talk good. a little bit about it, please. For, Yes. Um, It's called Civil War Ghosts. It's available on Amazon. It's published by Haunted Road Media. Um, And it is a unique look at ghosts in the Civil War period. Instead of recounting ghost stories we tell today about about, um, a ghost connected to the Civil War, it is actual newspaper articles from the time period detailing real-life people in the Civil War interacting with ghosts. So you kind of see it in, in a real-time um, ghost story. So we see the beginning of urban legends. We see the beginning of uh, uh, some of these stories. So I have stories from the battlefield. I have stories from the prison camps. I have stories from just the regular streets of, of America during the Civil War and all of the shenanigans um, uh, people were getting into. So we'll have 
you know, poltergeist activity. We'll have also people who who wanted to trick their neighbors who dressed up as a ghost. So it, it's really a grab bag. There's scary stories. There's funny stories. There's stories that make you go wonder. But it's all reported from newspapers. It's the actual newspaper uh, articles um, with some commentary from myself. But it's 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 the the way that they viewed the world. So unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of. Um, it's not a very politically correct book. I have to warn that some of the language. Um, used to describe women, used to describe African-Americans, Irish, mm-hmm. is a little colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to portray, it be accurate, to show how 18, uh, 18, Americans in the 1860s, how they viewed their world, how they viewed ghosts. Okay. Well, at least you, yeah, because you want to do it the way that it was done back then. You know, the way they talk, yeah. the way they describe things. It, it's and it's the same thing with and and I will still be drowned in tears. There are you know there's some very you know colorful language um, of how mm-hmm. of how um, uh, people described uh, women, how they described African Americans. It was a very colorful error, and it's an error we need to acknowledge and say, hey, this is how they spoke, so that we can never make the same mistakes again. Right, and you put a lot of time and effort in that book. And I, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you. you very much for doing that. Really. Um, and you well, have a you. couple other books that I mentioned when the first, uh, show first started. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? The one about uh, yes. Mary um, Washington? Yes. Um, I am the manager of the Mary Washington House in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And there had, was not um, a biography on merit um, until I published one. I saw mine was the first modern one in about 100 years. And mm. So it's a it's a cradle to grave study of of Mary uh, Mary Washington. Um, she was George Washington's mother. She's a single mother. She raised George um, by her um, uh, by herself, of course, with the assistance of African American slaves. But she was a single mother. Um, and and raised George and 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 his siblings in a in a man's world in in 18th century Virginia helped shape George into the man that he became. Um, he got his independence from her, um, uh, his rebellious streak from her, and so it's, it's kind of a discussion of of Mary's story of of what Mary was like on because a lot of historians also kind of take a dim, dim view of her, that she is this very overbearing woman, that she is a, a, a difficult woman. She was just a strong, independent woman in a in a man's world. So that's on my book on Mary, and all of my books can be found on, on Amazon.com, um, so, so the audience knows that. And then my other um, book is uh, the actual Civil War Diaries of a man named James Myers, and he was a hospital steward. So uh, he, he wrote his diary, um, 1862. Um, excuse me, his, his diary is 1863. 1864 was destroyed. We have the 1865 diary. So we have those two-year window where he is seeing some pretty bloody fighting. And so it is his day-to-day um, diaries that I, I, again, published out, warts and all, and with some commentary. That's wonderful. You've done a lot of historical um, research and I applaud you for that and now this is for you and I want you to think about this on your path or on your journey or where you are now who has inspired you the most 
I've been very inspired. I have a very loving family. Uh, my parents, my mother has been very um, has has been very inspiring to me. I've also had a wonder, I had a wonderful advisor um, in grad school. His name was Dr. Edward Bloom from San Diego State University, and he was just a wonderful individual and a wonderful mentor and a wonderful historian who helped me along the way. And also, I have wonderful, I have some of the best uh, co-workers um, at, at the Mary Washington House. I have the best staff, um, and um, they really helped me. Uh, uh, they helped me when I was writing the book on Mary Washington. Uh, they've also helped with this with the Civil War book, and it's just their love and support. So I've had a lot of people that I've been very, very grateful to. Well, we want to thank you for spending time with us tonight, and I hope to have you back and we can talk about your new book. It's been a pleasure to meet you tonight. Thank Great. you very much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. You too. And now, if you want to know a little bit more about spiritualism that we talked about tonight, I also have a book that I published called Treasures from the Spirit World. And if you want to get it, it's also on you like to thank all the truth seekers from around the world for listening tonight. And I hope you have enjoyed yourself. And until we meet again, may you be the light that helps others see.